0: Help me with this one. Is it better to be alone or be with somebody? With. With somebody. somebody. With. Because I'll be scared. You'd be scared alone? I'd cry when my mommy died. die. You'd cry for your mommy? Anybody like being alone? I want to be alone. You know why? So I, I can mom mom make a mess in my mom and dad's room. <laughs> Is that what you do when you're alone? No. Mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would I, to, could, I would Jamie because he has an army gun. Ooh, an army gun. So let me ask this question. When you're scared, who do you want with you? Jesus. Jesus. My, My mom. mom. That's a good answer. My mom. Your mom? My Not mom. your dad? My uncle Jamie, no. <laughs> too. Who do you want with you? Um, If I be alone, I might yell for somebody and <laughs> when I'm in the bathroom, I go in the bathroom Myself and I go into the water and then I go and then and then when I got in the bathtub, I got out and then I never never washed it and I and I got all about washing my hair. That is incredible. Well, let me ask this question: yeah. How do you know if God is with you? Oh, uh, because he's in your heart, on that shirt. He's in your heart, your yeah. church, and he's in your brain. He's in your brain too. He answers your prayers. He answers your prayers. That's pretty good. Love the children. Amen. Jesus put it this way. Unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you'll never get in. You'll never get in. I I love the simplicity of what our children share with us. Would you rather be alone or be with somebody? They're not jaded by life. They want to be with somebody what happens when you're alone? You're scared. Who do you want to be with you? I love the answer. Either Jesus, my mommy, or my uncle James with the gun. It's just so simple. And we love that childlike spirit. We even like it when it shows up with an adult. Can I ask Jeff Langham to come on stage? You've got to see this sight. This is our own Jeff Langham this morning. Can I remind you, this is one of your elders. (laughs) All right, Jeff, back to your seat, brother. Would you not like Jeff Langham to be your fourth grade Sunday school teacher like he was this morning? Give Jeff a hand for going all out. See, guys, here is the truth I want us to deal with this morning. Most grown-ups are afraid of God. In in the Old Testament, the the most fearful thing that that you believe would have destroyed you because of the holiness of God would be to come face to face with God. And every time someone comes in the presence of God, they fall down in front of him and beg him to leave. And even in our day, we're a little fearful of God. For years, when I I would do a, a Bible study with someone, and we'd sit down to talk about Jesus, the first question I would ask is this. If God were to walk in this room right now, how would you feel? And you can only imagine the answers. The number one answer is, I'd be scared to death, I'd be intimidated. I don't know how God would, would look at me, because we live with this, this fear of, of God that destroys our relationship with Him. But this is the really awesome thing about Christmas. Christmas teaches us not to fear, to fear not. That's the whole idea from the scripture reading you just heard about Emmanuel. What does the word Emmanuel mean? Simply God is with us. Now, here's the cool thing. Every time in scripture, the Bible says God is with you, it's when someone is in the face of fear. It's like the parrot with the child who runs to them, all afraid in the middle of the night, and they hug them, and they say, you don't need to be afraid. I'm here. I'm here, and that's what happens with Jesus' incarnation. Look back with me again at Matthew chapter 1. Look at verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, here's the good news today. God is with us, and we don't have to be afraid. Now, look with that uh, just for a moment, with God being with us. Look at history. I, I think you can divide the history of mankind with God into three different eras. Error number one is that God is above us. Error number two is God is with us. And error number three is God is in us. Do you notice the progression from being above us to being with us in the form of Jesus Christ, to being in us with the Holy Spirit. I believe it's a divine progression. It's almost like dealing with your children. At the outset, you want your children to respect you. We might almost say they should fear you because there's got to be discipline in the house. But when they're 20 and 30 years old, we don't want them to still be afraid of us. We don't want them to fear us and our punishment, our rewards. We want, by that point, them to enjoy us. And that's what God wanted. He established order through the law, but it was always pointing to Jesus coming. And when Jesus came, he said, hey, guys, this isn't as good as it gets. How good does it get? Not only could I be with you, but now through the Holy Spirit, I will be in you. And so that's the history of mankind's interaction with God. You see, listen to me. The story of the Bible is not about the desire of us to be with God, which it was. The story of the Bible is about God's desire to be with us. It's God's desire. He's the one who moves. He's the one who comes down for us. I've got a sign in my office that I like to point people to when they feel distance from God. It's a little plaque that simply says, If you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? And I like that. I think it says something. But I don't think it says the whole truth. The truth is not that God is stationary, just waiting on us. The truth is God pursued us. He came after us. He's not immovable. He's moving toward you. You know, most of us are plagued in our life with a doubt that, would God really want to be with me? I mean, God knows every bit of bad about me. He knows more than I know about me. I mean, he knows all the worst. I mean, would he really want to be in close proximity, and relationship with me? We fear that he wouldn't. And the story of Christmas is to say he absolutely would. And the story of Jesus' life was when God came to the earth, the people most drawn to him were the people most messed up. So there's no question this morning, I hope, in your mind, that God wants to be with you. The question that remains is, am I with God? He's come a long distance to be with us. You ever done that and been disappointed? Maybe you went to a wedding of a friend or a memorial service for somebody you loved or a family that you knew. Or you drove long distance to be at a special event for somebody. And you got there and you went through the line and you signed the book. But the people you'd gone to to be with didn't even recognize you. And you made a long trip and you get back in the car and you say, man, they didn't speak to me. I've come a long ways, and they didn't even acknowledge I was in the room. That's a a disappointment. Because I just wonder, I wonder sometimes the God who descended all the way to the earth, all the way to a manger in Bethlehem, all the way to come be with us, doesn't step back and go, you know what? I I traveled all this distance, and they don't even act like I'm there. They don't acknowledge me. So I want to ask you today, God's here. Are you with Him? And I will to get really practical today about how you spend time with God and how you draw near to this God who's right there for you. And in honor of children, we're, we're actually going to learn four hand motions, all right, that will help us to learn this lesson that's simple enough for a child. How do you draw close to God? Number one, you talk to God, all right? And here's our hand motion. You talk to God. Do it with me. You, talk, Everybody, come on, everybody, not silly. You talk to God, all right? Now, and notice I, I avoided the word prayer because I think many of us are intimidated about prayer. I mean, often I'm asking someone to lead a prayer in the service and they'll go, oh man, I just, I couldn't do that. Or I get with someone, and I say, hey, can we pray before we leave here? And they're like, oh no, buddy, you pray, man. That's, 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 that's a holy thing, you pray. And, and what I say to them is the truth is don't make it such a big deal. Prayer is simply Talking to God, and you don't need to be intimidated about it. You don't have to come in some kind of weird voice. Can you imagine? You're going through McDonald's drive through later this afternoon, and you come to the little place, you know, and you're talking to the little girl, and she says, Can I get your order? And you say, Wouldst thou please give me a Big Mac and French fries? And would thou throw in some ketchup on the side to bless me? I mean, she would think, What a weirdo! They would be talking about you by the time you got to the window, all right? And God, sometimes I think God thinks, what weirdos? Why do they think they've got to lower their voice and change their language to come talk to me? I am their Abba Daddy. I wish they would just come and talk to me. And then many of the rest of us, we're we're a little intimidated because we know of these spiritual people who supposedly, and I believe them, spent hours in prayer with God. Love that. But most of us are a little ADD and that's, that's sort of hard for us to visualize and we don't feel very spiritual. Let me say, maybe for some of us, a lot of our prayer is like a text message back and forth with your spouse or your friend. Just a, a little information here, information here, and just sharing about this part of your day and asking for prayers about this part of your day. Maybe that's a better picture for some of us. Because what God wants you to do is he wants to talk to you. You say, what can I talk to God about? Look at that passage on the screen. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Pray about... Say it with me. Pray about... You really believe that? You can pray about everything, anything? Kids, when you go into an exam, can you ask God to bless you? Yes. You can also ask him to forgive you when you walk out, all right? but you can talk about it. You can talk to him about how much money you're spending this Christmas. You can talk to him about the people you love. You can talk to him about not dying on Chantilly Parkway right now, all right? You can talk to him about that difficult relative that you know you're gonna have to deal with during Christmas. You say, buddy, Bell, I don't have a difficult relative. Listen, this is what that means. You are the difficult relative, Okay. (laughs) Because every family has a difficult relative. And you can talk to God about that. You can talk to God about anything and everything. So, how do you draw? You talk to him. Suck it. Put your hands up here. You listen to him. Say that with me. You listen to him, all right? Oh, I love this passage. Love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. Because what God wants is a two-way conversation with you. He wants you to listen. It, it, it's rude to just talk. I mean, you ever had somebody, you know, who called you up and, man, maybe they're going through a tough time and they just start spilling their guts. And that's okay, you appreciate that. But they never ask you a question about you. And maybe even after they spill their guts, they take a breath and you interrupt and you start telling them about your life and they immediately get off the phone. You think, how rude. And often I wonder, we just spill our guts to God and he wants you to. But how rude when you don't listen to him. You say, well well, buddy, how how do I do that? And you say, I have never heard the voice of God. I mean, you and I were waiting on Morgan Freeman, all right? To speak to us. I wanted to be that bold. Now I confess to you, I've never heard it. I've got friends who have. I don't believe it doesn't happen. I'm a little jealous of those who have. But that doesn't mean I can't listen to God. The most reliable and the most needed way to listen to God is simply to read his word. Now, this is crazy. This book is a revelation from God. Why is he going to audibly speak to you if you want even to pay attention to what he's already told you? So, so read the Bible. After you have that conversation with him, go back and forth in Scripture and in prayer talking to him and listening to him. You also may listen to God through people. I mean, God speaks through people. He always has. You ever been at that moment where someone said just the right thing at the right moment that they really shouldn't have even known about you, but they said it, and it changed you? Guys, I believe God does that. I can mark the spot here of where 15 years ago, a woman said to me something I don't know how she knew about me, but something I needed to hear that could have only come from God. So you listen to people, and then you listen to the Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit lives within us. He nudges us. He prompts us. He plants thoughts in our mind. You say, I've never experienced that. Well, let me tell you. Let me give you an exercise where you can experience that today. Guarantee this will work. Leave this place. Go get somewhere all by yourself. Take a a piece of paper out and a pen and simply pray this prayer. Lord, would you tell me who I need to pray about today? And I guarantee you, some names will start popping in your mind of people that you might not have remembered in a long time, of people that are hurting, of people who may be lonely, of someone that Christmas, he will give you those names. You know he will. Something I try to do at the beginning of every week is when when I come to my office, I'm making my schedule for the week, I'll say, God, would you tell me who I need to eat lunch with? Just, Just help me. If there's somebody that I need to reach out to this week during lunch, let me, I'll have my best time. And so often he does that. So, please pay close attention. The next time I call you for lunch, don't turn me down. You'll be turning God down, okay? Please understand it that way. I'm telling you, the Spirit will prompt you when you begin to ask Him and you begin to listen. So, number one, you talk to God. Number two, you listen to God. Number three, and this is probably the most important hand motion we're learning today. You simply receive from God. Put your hands together. You just receive from God. J- just allow him to give to you. Now, here's our problem, is that we have too much pride often to receive. Many of us are what I would call charity-averse. Okay? We're okay giving to somebody else, but we're not okay someone giving to us. If you don't believe this, let me ask you about this. How about over the last week, someone unexpected gave you a Christmas gift? Maybe somebody at church, somebody at work, at school. Someone just gave you a gift. You weren't expecting. You had not bought for them. What are you going to immediately do? You're going to go repackage one of your other gifts, (laughs) and you're going to get it back to them. Because I would be embarrassed that they gave me a gift, and I would immediately think, I've got to go give them a gift. Because here's what you've got to understand about God. You will never be even stephen with God. There's no way you can outgive God. There's no way you can even touch God. So what God wants you to do is like a child, just receive. None of your children are going to say in the middle of Christmas next Sunday, stop it, it's just too much. I mean, put put it back, take it back, mom and dad. You spent too much. No, they are going to say, "Bring it on." Is this all? Where's the next gift? And God wants us to say to Him, "Bring it on." Just just receive from Him as a child of God, without questions, without trying to go back and repay God. You can't. Let me just mention three things that God can give you that I think are very special: courage when you're afraid. And that's that's the story of Emmanuel. He's coming to give you courage. If right now you have a a fearful situation in your life, God, through His Spirit, will give you the courage to face it. He will give you strength when you're weak. That's one thing God specializes. Man, when you are weak, man, when you don't think you can make it another step, God is the one who comes in and gives you strength, and He will give you comfort when you're hurting. Now, I know... This time of year magnifies the good in our life and the bad. And for some of you you're looking forward to the next 7 days leading up to Christmas next Sunday. But for some of you you're already dreading it. You're already hurting you because somebody that you're used to sitting at that Christmas table with you is not going to be there. You you're hurting. And God says, I am the God of all comfort. Would you just open your hands and say, God, I'm hurting. Would you comfort me? You know how much, what a good comforter God is? Listen to this passage, Isaiah. As a mother comforts a child, so I will comfort you. God knows most of us daddies are lousy at comforting. We're just lousy at it. Our kids' skins our knee. We say, suck it up. Be tough. And then you look over. Mom's kissing the bloody knee, you know? And God says, you know what? I am such a comforting God. I can even be compared to a mother. So today, just receive. Just open your hands and receive from God and let him comfort you. So we're going to talk to God. We're going to listen to God. We're going to receive from God. And one more thing. I love this one. Number four, we are going to enjoy God. Throw your hands up. We are going to enjoy God. I knew you guys could raise your hands. I've been trying for weeks, all right? We are simply going to enjoy God. How often do you think about enjoying God? I mean, listen to Proverbs. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. You can enjoy God. He wants you, you know, with someone you love, what you want to do, you don't have to do anything, achieve anything. You just want to be together. You want to sit on the couch and enjoy one another. Just, maybe just veg out and watch a movie. That's what you do. Because you know it's not the same to do it by yourself. I love movies. So often, if Stephanie's out of town, I might decide to, to, to rent a movie or go to a movie theater and watch a movie I know she probably wouldn't like. But, but let me say this, it's not the same. It's not the same as sitting by somebody you want to put your arm around or you want to nudge or you want to get in the car afterwards and say, "Wow, wasn't that great or wasn't that lousy, you know? And you talk about, you, you want to sh- it makes it so much better to share a movie with somebody. How about a vacation? I've got a, a great friend that's, Uh, never been married. He's a year older than I am, never been married. I love him, and I was talking to him the other day about what he's going to do during the holidays. And He said, you know, buddy, I've got a trip to Jamaica planned, but I think I'm—I mean, he's made a lot of money, so it's no issue. I've I've got a trip to Jamaica planned, but I just really don't want to go by myself. Can you imagine going on vacation by yourself? Some of you can but here's the good news. The good news is that God wants to go on vacation with you. The good news is you could go to that movie alone and talk to God about it. I mean, maybe even you ever, you ever been wanting to go to a football game and you travel maybe to another team in a way stadium, you know. Maybe one of your big rivals and, and you got to the game and there's two of you and your pal and, and you scavenged for tickets and you found two tickets, but they weren't in the same place. And you find yourself sitting in the opposition's section watching the game. You're sitting among a bunch of rednecks. And you don't—y'all don't be so sensitive. I'm talking about LSU. I'm not talking about Auburn, okay? All right. You're sitting a bunch—and bu- and you think, I can't even scream. I, can't, I don't want to get killed. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And so, so you don't enjoy the game the same. I'm telling you, Emmanuel, God with us means that when you wake up in the morning, you're getting out of bed, you're talking to your best friend, God. When you ride down the road and you see the sunrise, you're praising him. When you're entering work, you're asking him to come in there with you. When you're going to school, he sits beside you. When you're holding your children or holding your wife's hands, you're thanking God. When you're out there serving and helping someone, you're doing it in His name, with Him. When you come to church, you don't sit on that pew by yourself. God is right there with you. He's just that close. So be filled with delight. Now, have you noticed? I hope you have. Have you noticed the progression of this lesson? We have moved, by talking about Emmanuel, from fear to joy. And many of you need to make that move. That's the next slide. With Emmanuel, we go from fear to joy. Many of us have lived too long fearful of God, afraid to be in his presence. Why were people afraid to be in the presence of God most of the Bible? Because they were so full of sin and they knew God couldn't put up with that, okay? But here's the good news we've discovered. Jesus was the God who came to save. He has hit the delete button about your sins, and he's kept his finger on the button. So because of that, we don't have to be afraid of God. Perfect love cast out fear, and you can now have joy in the presence of God. I'm asking you right now, in your life, are you enjoying him? Are you speaking to him, listening to him, receiving from him, enjoying being in his presence? Well, let's do it. Let's just do it right now. I want you to enjoy him right now. Right at this point of our service, let's practice what we're preaching. Let's practice the presence of God. We're about to come, and men, if you want to go to the back, this will be the time. We're coming to part of our service we call the Lord's Supper. Maybe a better name is communion. Okay? You hear that word communion? It means to be in common. It means to communicate. It means to be close. So this is the moment, like no other moment, that we ought to feel closer to God. Because you're about to eat of the body of Christ. You're about to drink of the blood of Christ. Now Christianity... For centuries, there's been a debate going on about this moment. The debate is about what's called the doctrine of transubstantiation. What does that mean? That that simply means some believe that when the priest prays over the bread and the grape juice, something miraculous happens. The bread literally becomes the body of Christ. The, The grape juice literally is the blood. So when you drink it, you are literally eating God. God is coming that close to you. He's going to be in your body. And so people have argued for centuries about if it's true or not. The truth, I believe, is it really doesn't matter. Because what I have told you today from Scripture is that God is already in you. It's not a matter of you eating communion today to get God in you. God's already there. The question is, do you recognize it? And God's given us this weekly memorial to remind us that He's so close, He's in us. He's that close. And so, in the next few minutes, let me ask you this. What's what's the best way for you to commune with God? Maybe you just need to bow. Maybe you need to open the Bible and let God speak to you. Maybe you come to tables, God's going to put someone to say something to you. Maybe you just need to get your communion and go back to your seat and and to be still. Maybe you just need to listen to the beautiful words that we're about to sing. Maybe you need to sing. I don't know what is going to be best for you to connect with God, but what I'm challenging you to do right now over the next few minutes If you've never really done this, experienced this in your life, right now, just enjoy God. Too many of us used to look at the Lord's Supper as a scary time. My friends, this is your time to enjoy God. Just, Just enjoy Him, whatever it takes, enjoy Him. Because here's what I believe. If you could do this the next five minutes then you could do it for 10 minutes. And if you could practice the presence of God for 10 minutes, you probably could do it an hour. And if you could learn to do it an hour, you could do it a day. And if you could do it a day, you could do it a month. And if you can do it a month, you could do it a year. Where everywhere you go and everything you do, you're speaking, you're listening, you're receiving, you're enjoying the presence of God because you are never alone. So over the next few moments, start that practice. Just, if it helps you, just put your hands out During communion and receive from Him. Let's pray together. Father, we are so, so thankful, God, for that one word description of your Son, Emmanuel. It says that you have come to be with us, that you are not distant, you're not aloof, you're not inaccessible, you're not frightening. You are here with us. And God, as we partake of the body of your Son, Jesus, and the blood of your Son, Jesus, God, may we be reminded that you are in us. That as the psalmist said, we cannot go anywhere and escape your presence. So thank you. Thank you for the Christmas story. Thank you for this communion time. Thank you that we know that you are here with us. You are here in us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And I hope it's allowing you just to, to bask in the presence of God as you hear such beautiful music. Uh, I tried to dress like the worship team today. I didn't realize they were wearing black and they still kicked me off when I got on the stands, but um, <laughs> they have done a fabulous job. I want to close out with just an amazing story I, I saw last, last Sunday. I, I don't know how many of you watched 60 Minutes, but i watched watch 60 Minutes. I know that makes you really, really old, but I love it. I tape it every Sunday because they have, they have the best programs. Never mind, most of the reporters are all dying, but I still love watching 60 Minutes. And last Sunday night, they had an episode about the Civil War in Columbia. Guerrilla warfare has been going on in Colombia for the last 50 years. And they have never been able to stop it. And they have, they've warred against them. They've sent armaments. they bombed them. But they just can't stop this uprising. So about 2010, the government decided, the military decided, they would do something different. They, they literally called it Operation Christmas. So every Christmas, they'd have an outreach to the, the, the rebels— one year, they knew the rebels mostly traveled on rivers and streams. So they floated down the rivers, these little balls that were, they were full of light and had gifts that they gave them that Christmas. Another Christmas, they did something really, really wild. They, they did a leaflet drop. They just dropped leaflets over the rebel grounds. And on these little leaflets, they would have a picture of one of the rebels as a child. And on the picture, it would have this note. From his mother. Before you are we- uh, you are a rebel, you are my child. So come home, I'll always be waiting for you at Christmas time. Isn't that awesome? And every time they did one of these Operation Christmas campaigns, rebels would put their arms down and come home, and the government would receive them without retribution. It was a beautiful grace-filled moment. My favorite was, one Christmas, they, spent, they sent special forces in the middle of the jungles where they knew the rebels lived. And they went in the middle of the night, and they, they took about a dozen trees, and they strung them with beautiful Christmas lights. And they put a sensor, so if someone walked in front of the trees, the lights would come on, knowing the rebels normally traveled at night. And they went back, and then the rebels would walk by this beautiful Christmas lights would flash in front of them. And then there was this sign that I love. If Christmas can come to the jungles, you can come home. Demobilize. At Christmas, anything is possible. And you know, over the last seven years, if you've been reading the newspaper, this civil war is finally over. Because they took Christmas time as a time to invite people home. And this morning, I want to invite you to come to God. It's Christmas time. If God can come to a manger in Bethlehem, He can come into your life. If God can be born to a virgin, then anything is possible. You could be changed. You could walk with God. You could stop fearing God and enjoy God. You could simply come to the front today and just open your hands and receive. So if you've never come to God, then why don't you come to God today? Christmas would be the best time of the year. If you've been with God, but now he's distant, it's not because he moved, he keeps coming towards you. He may be coming towards you right now. Would you come back to him while we stand together and sing?